for this after show combo. I want to talk about uh, the antitrust bias. uh, I teach this to my clients to protect them from like predators, both in person and online in business, you know, because business has quite a bit of predators, uh, not killers, but, you know, competitors. And the reason I wanted to is because the Matthew Baca case where he killed those two girls just to me was the worst because they, you know, they were so trusting and so um, good and kind that it ended up one of them, you know, being killed. And innocent. Yeah, very innocent, which I think a lot of young kids are. I mean, I was telling Mike, Last time we were watching the show on the Zodiac Killer, I'm like, I am surprised we're alive. I mean, we were on back roads. We were in creepy places at night. I hitchhiked. <gasps> wow. Hitchhiked all the time back then. Yeah. Didn't lock doors. Yeah, crazy. Hang on. I got to shut the door again. That's a good microphone. Maybe we need one like that for when we do our iPods. What iPod? I mean, our <laughs> podcast. Your iPods? I know. Of course, I wasn't going to let that go. I knew. I what, knew as soon what as iPods came, are you talking I knew about? As soon as it came out of my mouth. <laughs> Your face. You knew I knew as soon as it came out. I just wanted to see how long it was going to take you, but she got it. She recovered quite quickly. I was trying to change it. It was already out. Yes. Good job, though. Quick fix. Okay, okay, so. I wonder if that will help the. Quality, can't see which point. The quality, that kind of microphone, when we do it next. Uh, yeah, the blue, uh, they're called Yeti. They're really good. Yeah, and really you good. bring it next time. Then. And then Rode has even better. Well, I tested this one, and actually our recorder has better sound quality. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I want to... First, um, talk about what psychologists call the truth bias or what I call the trust bias. And it's a normal desire in us to believe others. Mm -hmm. And it's important because if we weren't wired to trust people more than not trust them, society would break down. And so, you know, you have to have that trust bias. Like, for example, if we didn't have a normal trust bias, we'd be checking everybody out, getting all the information they could give us. And so it's what's called a social default. And it's important. However, the fact that people want to believe others despite evidence to the contrary is a problem. I do that. Yeah, and... Like I was telling you guys the other day through a text, which I can tell you a little bit of our conversation if you want, but I was eating lunch with a lady and we were supposed to actually meet for business. Yeah. And normally when we meet, we get into all kinds of stuff, you know, things that she's going through, um, spiritual matters, things like that. But we were supposed to meet for business and we ended up talking about her boyfriend and I've met him and I don't have a natural, natural trust bias. I'm like, you know, when I met him, I was, you know, checking him out. Well, anyway, through the course of the conversation, I learned that he's gone out on her multiple times. In fact, one time, one of his girlfriends called and for three hours basically told her her whole life because he had told her everything my friend had shared. And she's still with him. Uh, he's beat her. And um, so anyway, he, you know, she was just, you know, six years of this. And I looked at her and I said, you know, you remind me of 
um, one of the podcasts we did or one of the episodes, well, actually three episodes we did. And she goes, oh, well, who was it? And I said, Ted Bundy and his long-term girlfriend, Elizabeth. And she's all, you know, and she's like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, you're addicted to him. Just like Elizabeth was addicted to Ted, you are addicted to this person. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, Elizabeth kept trying to recapture the first initial intense emotion and connection her and Ted had. And I told her, I said, it's like a carrot that was always before Elizabeth. And she was always chasing after this carrot. And I said, it's not real. It's fake. There is no carrot. And uh, I said, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he's dangerous. If he's stalking you, if he shows up at your work or where you're at, if you, you know, like if you don't text him back and he gets angry, uh, if he's ever harmed you, you might be in a dangerous situation. And her face changed. I could tell she was. And um, so I told her to look at coercive control and research it. And she was watching a video on narcissism on YouTube and her son had come into the room and she was trying to fumble, you know, for the remote, trying to find the tiny little thing. You know, they always get lost for Amazon fire. And, before she could get off, her son, you know, is listening to some of this. Goes, oh, that sounds like, you know, her boyfriend. So you have these people that are pointing her to this direction. Even oh, a, even a young son. Yeah. She didn't see it, I guess. No, she, she sees it. She sees it. So then I said, and yet, even your son pointing that out, you've not left him yet, have you? So your kids, to me, your kids are not enough to get you to leave him. It wasn't for Brenda either, though. Elizabeth? No, oh, I'm talking about that case of Brenda too. with Dirty Harry. It wasn't oh. enough. Her kids. Yeah. Brenda with Dirty yeah. Harry? Yeah, like what? Brenda. I forgot her Dirty last John. name. Dirty John. <laughs> Dirty. I did her that name? when we did the podcast, didn't I? Her name is Deborah. Yeah. Deborah. Dirty Harry is not this. It's Dirty John. I did that when we did the podcast, Brenda. I said, I was like, yeah, yeah, Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. from Brenda. Yeah, yeah no. Well, we only did. We're so bad. I figured you knew. It, that is her name. No, it's Deborah. Deborah Crapola. Anyway, so um, I, I just thought it was neat that I was able to use the things we learned. Mm-hmm. And I hope that she gets away from this person. And you know, like when he came to our church a couple times, I knew like he was super religious. And by that, I mean like the religious in the lines of looking for any mistake you might make, looking for any wrong word or definition, or you're just that micro under like that microscope type thing, which I knew he was doing that. And he was looking for anything he could argue with and I don't care. So it didn't bother me. But when I was telling her that she goes, wow, he sure was. You know, and so it's like you can see these things and warn people. And again, you know, like I told her, I said, yeah, Elizabeth just kept dating him, even though he'd been, you know, arrested for kidnapping, found guilty. He had all these girlfriends on the side. Uh, He pushed her in the water and almost drowned her daughter by making her swim until she is exhausted and blah, blah. You know, I said she called the cops three times thinking he was the Ted and she still stayed with him. So I think that. 
I mean, we'll certainly pray about that too, because I think that you saying you remind me of a serial killer and his long-term girlfriend. I mean, that would wake me up like that. Yeah. Do you think she grasped it? Do you think she, yeah, grasped what you were saying? I hope or so. Or she love with him, addicted to him? Well, she knows she's addicted. And what was interesting is everything I was saying, others have been telling her using exact words, like addicted. So was she making excuses for him? Because no. if she was... Oh, she wasn't. No. And she did admit, like, she sees why she's doing it, and she did admit that she is addicted and that um, uh, she is trying to go after that initial connection. And so that's good, but good that equals action is what's important to me. And I'm not saying, of course, he's a serial killer. Is there organizations out there? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of them. In fact, Elena found a whole bunch, and I referenced them in our podcast, like Midway direct them to different resources. What about to her? I mean, yeah. action does she? Her. Yeah. You know? uh, I'll, e- you know, that's a good idea. Cause I'll email her. I told her we did have some resources on our website once it's live, but I'll go ahead and send her those. Cause there's some, really do you think that would be safe to email those to her? Well, there, I might, I don't know. I don't know how to, Oh, I need to meet her again so I can write some down for, her. but uh, yeah, it's amazing what this man has cost her and she's still chasing after that invisible character. If he's extremely bad, he will go after whoever is. Yeah. I told her that I said, if he's doing those things, then you need um, to be very alert and aware because the most dangerous time is within the first four months of leaving somebody. And so you should be also. Yeah. Well, I told her, I said, you know, the thing is, is that the things that you've experienced seem normal to you. Mm-hmm. But when you're out of it, it's not normal and it's not innocent. And gaslighting and coercive control and all of that stuff, which we're going to talk about, um, is an indicator of potential danger, but it doesn't seem dangerous. And if he's doing all that you mentioned and that she mentioned, this is the easy part for her right now. Right. It's be harder. Right. And I think she's one of those personalities too, where she loves people. She is strong. She's a DI, but I think she, or ID, but I think she's going to be more trusting probably than maybe a DC. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what she is? ID. Yeah. Yeah. Mom's an ID. Right. Yes. Okay. So despite the evidence. I remember ID because of my show is on ID channel. Right. <laughs> Very good. I remember what I am. Very good. So despite evidence to the contrary, that's where we see this being a problem, like with Deborah on Dirty John, not Dirty John. Brenda. Brenda. And then Elizabeth with Ted Bundy. Now, the trust bias is even stronger with close friends, our spouses, our children. And it really is the foundation for a healthy relationship. I mean, if you can't trust those you're married to, yet we have people like BTK who had a long-term marriage and they had no idea. Now, the brain looks for two things when it meets someone. It looks for trust and then it looks for competency. So psychopaths, like we've discussed in our episodes, they're very good at being charming and charismatic when you first meet them. You, You just instantly like them. They learn what people, you know what I mean? What people, um, how they are and how they can build that trust. So the brain is wired to actually spot signs that you can trust this person. And many predators know that whether they learn it 
or whether it's like intuition. It's like they just know. Like like Deborah said, it's like he knew exactly what to say that you know would get me. And so, which they he had done. To anybody though, whatever they can. The person is, they can adapt to whatever. Absolutely, they and they're they're usually pretty intelligent where they can adapt. Mm-hmm. So this reminds me so much of something I need to tell you. So whenever you're done, we'll not record and I'll tell you. Go ahead. Okay. So um, predators know how to get strangers to trust them, like we saw with Matthew Vaca uh, and the young girls. He appealed to their trusting and compassionate nature by using his kids as an excuse to uh, get them to help him get home. And then he also, remember that drive, he mentioned wanting to turn his life around. So they invited him to church. So it, it's like he knew, you know, that's that would get them to trust him. Now, on top of like your natural trust bias, we've also got social norms and personalities that play a huge role. So one article uh, about the girls, uh, Brandy and Liz, said that they were members of a church group that taught that they should always help others in need. And we know from their story that they were extremely involved in church. That was a very strong part of their life. You know, they wanted to be true to the things they were taught. So that actually set them up. Yeah. Uh, and so to me, it's like, you know, I may be a very unusual minister, but I, I tell people, you know, don't be in fear, but dang sure don't trust what people are telling you. You know, don't, don't think that everybody that comes to church is a Christian, number one. Don't leave your purse on the seat. Yeah. You know, like don't let your kids go to the restroom with someone, you know, from church. I mean, just, you know, things like that. So um, you help if you feel safe. If not, then don't. And so what we saw through this season, season one, was the S personality is even more trusting. And let me give you some characteristics uh, just so that when people hear this, it can be like, oh, that's me. Or that's not me. So they're sincere. They're dependable, especially in relationships. They're stable. They love cooperation and opportunities to help. They like their environments to be stable. It's very hard for them to shift, like even to get out of bad marriages. They'll put up with it for decades. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Mm-mm, see you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're patient. They're a team player. They're calm, good listener, humble, over-accommodating, uh, tendency to avoid change, and they can tend to be indecisive. Now, you can see the indecisive where they go back and forth. You know, they'll probably distrust the red flags they see. You know, like they'll be like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just being critical or I'm just being judgmental. That's not very nice. That's rude. I have found S's tend to live in their own world. Like I have um, one lady I've been mentoring and she has been severely hurt by two family members. And I said, I really think you're an unforgiveness and you need to go through my forgiveness clinic. And I've been telling her this for probably like six months. Oh no, I'm fine. You know, and she says stuff like, as long as I don't see them, I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, out of sight, out of mind does not equal forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So I had her do the uh, forgiveness inventory I have. And she had the lowest score of any that I've ever seen. 3.33% of forgiveness. Oh. And she, so she messaged me and said, am I living in la la land? And I'm like, I wouldn't phrase it that way, but yes, you know, yes, you are. So they tend to shut off unpleasantness. And um, so, you know, 
They, they, they're, I, I call it currency, trust currency. Each personality has one. So like for a D personality, it's straightforward, respectful communication. So with an S, it's acceptance along with safety and connection. So an S will tend to be more diplomatic and tactful. Well, a D interprets that as being deceptive. When a D is being straightforward, the S interprets it as being rude. So you can see like, you know, there's just different ways we trust, but the, or the way we have trust currency. But the thing is, is that safety and connection in relationships is very important for an S. And so the only time you'll probably ever see an S mad is if you mess with their family. That's, that's when they'll get ticked. Uh, it's very, very hard for them to tell someone no because they hate hurting other people's feelings. And I think these are definitely those who have empathy for the killer, almost at the expense of the dead person, the victim. Wow. So I'm sure you can see, you know, you got the natural trust bias along with personalities and social conditioning that that can be hard to recognize predators, even if you're sleeping next to one every night. And, um, I mean, I'm working with another lady where her husband's been lying to her, hiding stuff and probably getting ready to leave her for someone else. And when I wrote these notes, that was probably a couple weeks ago. And sure enough, he had been planning divorcing her after he went out on her a year ago. So, and I said, something's going on. Something's wrong. Well, how could I see it? I'm a D. I don't trust anybody, you know? (laughs) So anyway, we prayed for things to be exposed and they were. So I had to encourage her the whole time, trust your gut, investigate, get proof. You know, um, I had to warn her that she's going to try to have harmony and avoid change and conflict and all of those things. And uh, sure enough, she did and things are progressing. So this is what I teach, the antitrust bias. So experts suggest using what's called judicial skepticism. Uh, I call this an antitrust bias, meaning do not automatically assume someone is truthful or to be trusted. And excuse me, instead, you're looking for evidence of deception, actually. That can be hard for people. And I've got something that will work for you, too. So, <laughs> but look for evidence of deception. So, like, whenever people, you know, come in, even to the store, I'm all, you know, or interviews, you know, I get hired to help people with hiring. Well, that's because I don't trust it. I know they're going to present their best foot forward and it can hide all kinds of stuff that can cause problems. So I'm, I'm kind of like that person. If you can't find any evidence of deception or evidence that they're not trustworthy, then you can slowly start trusting them. But this could be sweet for you, sweetheart, or hard for you, sweetheart. So here's in the girl's situation, a little bit of training could have gone a long way. So being kind and compassionate does not mean picking up a complete stranger, man or woman, you know, right? and then driving them around at night in your car. You That's know, that, so naive. Yes, they were very naive. And I mean, do they live in a town that was small too? And you just don't expect that to happen. Maybe that seems to be common sense, you know, but maybe they hadn't been, you know, equipped to say no. But here's some tips, especially for those of you that have a rough time. Uh, and I'd like to hear if you have some stories on that, um, on what I'm going to show. But I just had a concealed carry license class, and I was so thankful for my dad because he taught me everything that they were teaching in 
you know, if you're in a situation that might be dangerous, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, he used to teach that to me on the road. So the first thing is when you walk into a place, you walk in like you own it. In other words, you're confident, you have straightforward posture. Um, Your look is essential because like we've learned, serial killers pick people initially by how they walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I do this everywhere, even in my hometown. And uh, I'm not looking around like I'm a tourist or anything like that. Or I'll at least have my sunglasses on so people can't see, you know, that maybe I'm like, where the heck's the restroom, you know? So I'll just walk, you know, confident. Um, and if I'm in a strange place, I have a persona of don't approach me. Don't talk to me. I'm not interested. Now, if I see a situation where it's different, I want to be polite, nice, and things like that, yes. Um, two, use your peripheral vision. He taught me that. He said, always be looking with your peripheral vision and even turn your head slightly like you're looking at something so that you can see if something is behind you or you can see if maybe there's a shadow there. And that's helped me a couple times when I didn't realize someone was behind me. So, and then he said, if necessary, give them a strong look. Like, hey, I know you're there. Uh, he said, don't be friendly when you're traveling or when you're in a new place. And then he said, scout your surroundings. And I know you've traveled a lot, Mom, so you probably have some stuff to add. But I never park in dark, hidden areas. Um, I remember one time when I was in Pensacola, because I drove there a few years ago. I Several times I went there by myself. And um, I had a rental car, which those can be targets, you know, in certain places. And where I, at the hotel, so the front of the hotel, they had a nice, well-lit parking lot. And then off to the side was some more parking, but it was darker. But I instantly noticed in the back were a bunch of shrubs. So to me, that's a perfect hiding place. You're on the side where the door is and it's darker. But at about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, they lock the front doors, which I think is ridiculous. Maybe it's for their safety, but I'm like, hey, I'd like to live too, you know. So I would, you know pull in and I would actually drive back there. And I know it sounds paranoid, but I'm a, a woman by myself in the middle of Florida. So, I, you know, I'm going to do this. So I drove back there and I would just, you know, with my lights, I would scan to see if I could see anything. And then I would park. And then, you know, of course, quick, have my key ready. I'd have my key with it pointing out, you know, ready. And I'd walk to the hotel, get in. But then you're in a stairwell, you know, and like Karen Campbell it, with Ted Bunny disappeared going to our hotel room to get a magazine. So I would usually take the stairs because, you know, I want to get those steps in because I sit all day. But I remember thinking, this is so dangerous, and they could get sued. If anyone is in that stairwell, whether they're a hotel patron or some stranger that just slips through the door, which, by the way, I'd make sure the door clicked before I turn around, they could get sued for that. So I suggested that they not lock the doors, you know, and let ladies in. I don't know if they changed it. But I always drive around and I make sure if I have to park somewhere and go into a side door that no one's there. And then I think it's a good idea. The final one is to teach your children this. Um, when I was on the road once in Alabama, uh, dad was asleep. And so he had always taught me what to do if anyone tried to take me or approach me. And so I wanted some peanut m ms And uh, so I went in there and a man came up to me almost instantly came up to me and said, Hey, you want to go to California with me? 
and he kept getting closer and like, you know, he was like approaching me. And uh, I said real loud, no, I don't want to go to California with you. You're not my dad. And dad had taught me that always say, you're not my dad. You're not my mom. You're not my parent. Really, really loud. And, you know, I'm like 16. I know I'm 17. And, um, and he told me, he said, if you do that and there are any truckers around, they will set down everything they have and they will come help you. So I was like, man, I hope that's true. You know? <laughs> so I did. And sure enough, I'll never forget this one trucker with the belly, you know, cause they said a lot neat. Uh, he set his thermos down. The other truckers turned, they set their coffee and snacks down and they started coming over to that guy. And there were about five of them. And that guy ran out of the store and I was like, Phew. you know, and so once he left, one guy said, where's your dad? I said, he's right out in the truck. He said, okay, well, let's get you back out there. And I'm like, I'm good. Cause I don't know you either. Right. <laughs> walking me nowhere. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I know truckers kill people. You know, I went to uh, San Francisco in November and I get so nervous about driving in areas that I don't know, not for safety or anything. It just freaks me out with the roads. And I mean, I'm, I need to know where I'm going anyway. So I was having all sorts of anxiety and the roads are very complex in yes. San Francisco. So I had my GPS on and everything. I had to get gas before I turned into this rental. There was this whole homeless trash situation I was just like there was just too much happening so I pulled up to get gas but I got out like very don't jack with me because there was several homeless people there's only gas station around and almost immediately um a homeless guy started walking up to me and I just like stanced and I stared and he goes he started saying something I said no yes yes (laughs) ma'am Now, to clarify, you weren't calling homeless trash because that's not in your no. Yeah, lots of trash plus a homeless area, and homeless are not necessarily killers. But yes, you're you're right that I mean, you know, the down and out. They they that's how they survive. But also, you do have some that are con artists too, and. But you do have to be very firm because I that same thing in Florida. Florida is like a huge state for homeless, and they'd only come out at certain times, uh, usually at night. And I and same thing, they try to approach me. I say no, yeah, and they leave me alone. Keep them away. Mm-hmm. Not just be, it was just because it, it, uh, there were several homeless people around there. And this homeless man was coming towards me, but if someone is approaching you, because they do try to get the single women. Uh, which I went off on a guy one time because he did that. <laughs> but um, any any person tries to approach you, keep them away. Yeah, whether they're homeless yeah. or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's expansive. Yep, it is. I checked the lighted areas, groups. When Susan and I were in Europe, even though the crime rate was low, we stayed with the group. If we went to our stuff, we look. I look everywhere. Yeah. Before I drive up, I look everywhere. While I'm driving up to see how many people, who they are, were. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to look. You just have to. Being in sales, we learned that long ago. Because we open our trunks with samples and we look around everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Jade, you know, she, I didn't know to the extent, but apparently she always has at least one knife on her. And there was someone, and she's very giving, though. I mean, she will give anything she has. She's always been that way since she was very little. And she told me, I guess about two weeks ago, um, 
she needed me to buy something for her with my card and she was going to give me the cash. She's like, no, it's okay. She goes, are you sure? I was like, yeah, just give me a Starbucks. And she goes, okay, good. Cause I just gave $5 to someone that approached her and she yeah. was in the car and which surprised me. And she goes, yeah, it scared me. Cause he knocked on the window and he almost got stabbed and she like rolled down the window a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see you pulling out your, your knife. What? Sometimes I don't roll the window. I've had him knock. In front of a store mm-hmm. or the window. Yeah. Audacity. And, and I would always. I don't. But that doesn't mean everybody that knocks or approaches you is bad. Some of them really are starving. Yeah. Especially homeless. Some really need help. You just don't know who. Yeah. Well, when me and my friends had gone to a conference, uh, when y'all were on a cruise, I think one time, and we uh, were totally bored with the speakers. So we went to uh, Cowtown. And we saw, I'll never forget his name was Ruben. And we saw a young man and he was very cautious in how he approached us. And he said, I'm not asking for money. I'm just really hungry. And so we all felt very safe. And so uh, we just took him to a cafe and fed him. We were going to feed him steak. He's like, you know, I just really want a burger. And we're like, all right, let's get you a burger. Do you want it? Wow. Coke. Do you want to shake or anything like that? And we were able to, you know, minister to him. And, and after we got done, you know, he said, uh, I do need to get a bus ride. And, uh, none of us had cash. I said, sorry, you know, we don't have the cash. And he's got a little insistent and I'm like, Hey, we don't have any cash. Be blessed. I mean, that's it. You know, right. <laughs> the tap is closed. Uh, but you know, so it, I like, even if, especially if I'm traveling or it's at night, I'll just glance in my back seat to make, you know, cause yeah. too many shows or horror stories where bam, they're right there, you know, I'm like, uh-uh. but I, um, you know, like even lie detection, you know, looking for, um, looking for flags, you know, where you've got, you know, maybe someone that's talking to you and everything's normal and you're kind of getting a, a little bit of a baseline of their behavior. You know, are they fidgety or still? Are they, do they blink a lot or not? Do they, you know, and you get that initial data. And then if something suddenly changes, like if they go from fidgety to very still, or they're talkative and all of a sudden they're not, uh, you know, whatever they itch their nose. Cause when you lie, your sinuses swell. And so people will itch their nose, but there's, you know, like good three flags that something has shifted that's an indicator, you know? So uh, one thing that you can do, like if you're dealing with kids or employees or coworkers, ask them a yes or no question. And if they don't answer yes or no, like, did you do your homework? Well, oh, well, there ain't no well, it's yes or no, <laughs> you know? Right. So if yeah, that's a really good technique. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the main thing is just situational awareness. And like we learned in our concealed carry, it's, you're aware, but comfortable, you know, you're, you're not on high alert. Cause then you're, you know, paranoid. Yeah. And you just want to be aware of what's going on. And that's like, you know, again, that Walmart story where that guy being on every single aisle, that's an alert that something's wrong, you know, and not just out in the public, even at home, you're alert. You need to be alert. Yeah, absolutely. Just people even, you know, sometimes I wasn't that way. I've always been that way. I've always scanned my surroundings when I get out of my car. Uh, I'm not always the most observant, but I do. I do scan my surroundings. And uh, to me, no neighborhood is 
safe. I don't think there's any, there's no such thing. Now in Jesus, I feel very safe, but you know, I'm not going to be stupid. And, uh, you know, just people oblivious to what's going on around them is just, you know, cause I watch people all the time and you can see like in convenience stores, you can see at the store, you know, just people watching and what they're up to and looking at other people. And it's just very interesting. But when they notice, then they're more aware. There was a convenience store years ago when I did gums and uh, a lady walked in, but I noticed outside, she went to the bathroom. This guy was following her all over. sort of. she wasn't even paying attention. I said, do you know that guy? No. Well, he's following me around. And then she said, oh, my God, I'm glad you told me. I don't know if she kept it up being more observant or not. But sometimes it's good to speak up because you don't know. Yeah. That's like when I took that girl with me to that Florida, you know, and she's oblivious. That guy was following her. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that one time I was in Utah and that, you know, those people approached me and, um, you know, they got aggressive and, and I wasn't nice to begin with, but then I got aggressive too, you know? So it's, I just, to me, it's extremely interesting that when they interviewed serial killers, it was the walk. Yeah. Because the walk is the first message that you're confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that closed body language, that short, you know, steps and you look like you don't know where you are, you are a target. Yeah. And when me and dad used to go on the road, we went down into Harlem and he would tell me stories. And one time he had to get out of his truck and um, go somewhere. I don't remember. And he got approached and he, you know, you can't have guns uh, in some States. So anyway, he always had some type of weapon on him, but he would just start laughing hysterically if he was approached by several people and they thought he was crazy. Um, When we were in New York, you know, they would actually, the, the scam was someone would jump on the side of the truck while to distract you while someone else is, you know, cutting the the tie on the trailer and basically stealing everything out of the trailer. So he'd get his gun Mildred out and just sit on the doghouse. And that's the first thing they saw, you know, and they, Oh, okay. Even though it was illegal to have it in Manhattan. So nineties, hopefully there's no statute of limitations or there is, but anyway, so, you know, just having that confidence, I think is really important, but again, just don't believe everything people tell you, you know? And so for those of you that you have a rough time automatically thinking someone is deceptive I would just say have that judicious skepticism, you know, where you're like, okay, this could be truth. Maybe this isn't truth. I can have a conversation with this person. I can even become friends with this person, but I'm not going to put myself in any dangerous situation. I'm going to be very skeptical until I have proof otherwise. So mm-hmm. I noticed your faith at faith face. When I said that earlier, what, you know, like, Basically, that people are being deceptive right off the bat. And that seemed, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I could do that maybe was kind of the face. So what do you think about that? Um, Well, like I said earlier, uh, I mean, I'm not naive by any means. I'm not ignorant. But I do have just the tendency to think that everyone is honest. Um, But if I have a feeling, that's it. Like, I I guess I, I tend to go more for my gut. Mm-hmm. I believe until there's something in my gut that's like, mm, no. And yeah. it's kind of hard to come back from that. I'm not yeah. skeptical immediately either. 
I don't believe that I have to be at first. I, I listen first, and if I see a flag, then I get. But I don't first approach the people that I can because I think people can read that too. Maybe. Yeah. I. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot that goes on on the inside of me when I'm meeting people. Um, like if I'm at the store and it's a customer, you know, I don't have any reason to, you know. Right. Now, if there's, you know, five gangbangers that come in with right. attacks, now I have a reason to think something's weird. So, uh, they might be there. I thought about that after you left. Yeah, well, they might be lucky because the gun was locked and loaded. So. Yeah, but they could have hurt you too before, or someone of them could have been hurt, but you could have too, gun or not. Yeah. So, but I, I, I definitely like if I'm meeting business owners and other people, I'm not believing everything they say. No, no business owners in particular can be overly confident or they do know how to put the best for, foot forward and present themselves. So yeah. I'm just thinking about this, even the businesses that I've worked for, especially the one that I work for now, I have met genuine, awesome people. I just don't, meet um deceptive and i certainly don't have relationships with them um yeah but you also had boundaries and cautiousness with your former boss and because you had that it protected you and then you also knew other things were weird but it wasn't until i think he was gone that even more how strange he was but i remember meeting him and he was so nervous around me. I'm like, what is this Never dude? Never seen him like that. But then even after he left, some of the people still communicated with him knowing there was something wrong with him. That's despite that's, the evidence. Yeah. But um, I was, even having that gut feeling, having those boundaries put in place, I still thought he was good. Mm-hmm. And then a few people, um, said some truthful things about him, but it was still guarded, still respectful. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, then it fits in everything. It does. So it's like, Oh, that's why I put those boundaries in place. But still, even I would still, if I were to meet him now, I probably would be skeptical of him, but I went in open. Right. Leaving him. I don't think I mm-hmm. could automatically think people were being deceptive. Mm-hmm. I just think knowing that people will always present themselves the way they think you want them to do it and uh, trusting your gut and just, you know, knowing that that's human nature, you know, they're not going to tell you all their deep, dark secrets. They're not going to present themselves in a bad light. And so I'm friendly with people. I can start a conversation. I can interact, but I'm always thinking this is not all I'm seeing. Yeah, there's more to this person than I'm seeing. And so that's always in the back of my mind. See, I don't care. <laughs> but if I have a relationship with you, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I, you can keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they tell you too much. Right. Yes. I can tend to be a little naive on certain things. Like when I was at the gym that one time and you know, I got my earphones in and it's like, you know, if you have your earphones in, don't approach. Right. Especially if you have non-approachable behavior, like don't approach me. So I got my earphones in. I have my you know, clipboard. I was you know, gym nerd. I had my clipboard. I was you know, keeping track of my workout. Clipboard. And uh, this guy, I'm like going to you know clean off the you know stuff, and I grab my towel and and he just like 
says hello and then vomits his divorce out on me and his, you know, all this stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And all of a sudden I'm like, is he like trying to see if I would be interested in him? Like, you know, cause I don't think that way. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I think this might be it. So I said, he goes, so what do you do uh, for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, oh. Yeah, so then he changes his whole demeanor. Now, obviously, I'm a businesswoman first, but I knew if I said that word, just pull out the P word, pastor, and, you know, it's like people all of a sudden change, and he's like, oh, yeah, oh, well, you know, and then he goes into, like, talking about God, you know. Oh, I believe in God, and I said, really? So that makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, do you have anything to help me? And I'm thinking, maybe some five-fold ministry. <laughs> um, I said, yeah. And I told him about the forgiveness clinic. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll look for that. I'll look for that. And then he, of course, took off. I'm like, mm-hmm. Now I know what to do. When I mentioned if someone's being disrespectful to, like, police and with no reason, then I'll say, yeah, my nephew's a policeman, and their whole demeanor changes. Yep. Their whole demeanor changes. Yep. Well, I just wanted to talk about this and especially people of faith, especially people with a lot of compassion and they're at the salt of the earth. The 65% of the population are S's. And so just, you know, again, have that judicious skepticism. Don't get people in your car. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you're at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. You can still be kind and you can still be compassionate, but do it smartly.